Hello, and today on the Survivor's Guide to Life, Peter and I are going to be talking about disruptors, uh, events that bring change into our life. Uh, they can be good or they can be actually times of crisis, uh, like the times that we're all going through now with the pan pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic. How can we most successfully work through these disruptive, challenging, difficult times. That's our topic today on the Survivor's Guide to Life. So welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. Today we continue in our series on how to survive through adversity. Dr. Bernstein, or Peter as he likes to be called, is a coach and mentor with almost 50 years of experience. We're getting very close. Uh, helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, the stuff of real life. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. Absolutely. I like to hear how she introduces it because she basically tells you the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but okay. honestly, you know, I, I, this week I'm wondering... What, I, what really is going through my mind is how do we reach more people to encourage and to, when I say enlighten, I don't mean this far out stuff. I mean kind of open your eyes to some hope. And uh, we spend a lot of time in that place. And that's in the, and that's in the face of some extreme adversity. Our, our work is trauma recovery. It's been for me for, in September, it will be 50 years. But um, that's where we live. And so we're, this, we're not coming from a place that our lives are easy or our work is easy. But we have the kind of, uh, we are the kind of people that actually um, thrive in the midst of very difficult times and helping other people thrive. Not everybody does that. I do. And I have done that for a long, long time. So to me, it, it kind of, the difficulties can, can produce anxiety. It can be very challenging. But the other part of it is it turns me on. It's like, okay, that's what I'm here for. This is what I do. I've been through plenty myself. I've taken other thousands of people through it. And I know that there is hope. But what I'm also aware of is to tell you that there's hope before helping you deal with your day-to-day -day struggles and your emotions and um, the upheaval. If we don't talk about that, that these, these days we'd be pretty insensitive. So we're not gonna, we're not doing that. We want to. We'll give you the bigger picture, but we're also going to talk to you about some of the mechanical things, some of the things you could do, and how to see things in a new way, a better way. Even though you're in the midst of this life transition, and I'll talk about what that is in a minute, um, because that's what we're going through now. People do that on an individual basis. That's part of life, but we're doing it on a massive basis. Our entire society is going through a life transition. That's what's so, that's the big difference. Um, it's, it's huge. And uh, you can imagine there's a lot of variations on how people are coping or not. And I think m many people are dealing with more than one uh, disruption or change or difficulty at the same time now. It's not only the pandemic, there's financial pressures, Absolutely. there's relationship pressures, there are things that people are going through where there's a, a group of things happening. Well, the COVID-19 crisis has brought so much of that to the forefront. You got 40 million people unemployed. 
you have 140,000 families that have lost loved ones to this oh. epidemic. Yeah. You have people that are being forced to reevaluate their lives and their, their careers, their work. Um, they have to take a real good look at what's going on in their lives these days. The COVID-19 pandemic um, is a crisis, but yet through that crisis, it can also be an awakening for people. And it needs to be. It needs to be a time to look at yourselves and to reevaluate where you've been in your life, what you've been doing, and if you're going to continue doing that. I know many people that um, right now they are reevaluating what they believed would give them security, their careers. There's so many different things that they're looking at these days, and it's a tough time. It's, this is not, these are not easy, painless questions. And yet it is also an opportunity where uh, folks can really awaken to new possibilities, and I encourage that. No, I, I lived for that, and even though I look at difficulties as a challenge, and I certainly feel the emotions of it and the pain of it, but I know how to get through it and get through the, to the other side and see that there is hope. So I don't let my emotions be my, the, the thing that determines my outlook on life and, and the position I take. Mm -hmm. And yet I have the same emotional reactions many times as anybody else. So the difference is I know how to deal with that. Um, and it does give me a resilience. We want to convey somehow to yes. more people um, that they're, to how to develop that resilience and how to come out of it for the better and to look at these thing, times as a true opportunity for something new and better in your life, even though you are going to have to go through these different changes and phases of this crisis. Um, you may look back on this someday and make it, realize that it was one of the most important times in your life and produce some incredibly outstanding awakenings to your life that have, you found a new direction in your life, a calling, something that would fulfill you more. Um, to me, that's exciting. Now, that, and it's not negating um, the pain or the challenge or the anxieties. And, you know, we talk about emotion. I think one of the main emotions is fear. You see a lot of that now, kind a of a, of a panic yeah. uh, that people feel, uh, particularly because they feel so out of control, that things are changing and they have no control. They don't know what's going to happen. Uh, it's, it, it is a, somewhat a natural response to times like these. Right. Uh, However, right. Well, say that last sentence again because it just struck fear could be a natural response to times like these, and we have talked in the past about in some ways there are healthy okay. fears, okay. but there are also uh, becoming fear-driven, right? Which is uh, we've talked about how much that can throw people off track. Every, and there's lots of variations in how people react to fear. Um, I'm just thinking about that for a minute, and there's a couple of things about it. I see that I've seen fear drive people in a good direction too, and making new changes. I've seen other people, and more of these, unfortunately, they are not moving. They're petrified, and what they've relied on in the past that gave them a sense of stability, and gave them a sense of regularity, has been taken away. Um, you know, I used to, I've been in the psychology world as a psychologist for an awfully long time today. I don't see myself that way. I see myself as a mentor and a life coach for trauma recovery. I like that better. It gives me more freedom but, and less stigma. Um, but when I think about um, 
the world of psychology and some of the things that it's done that really for years I didn't think about, but I, over the years, you know, 50 years, you begin to wake up. And one of the things that happened in the last century um, in psychology and psychiatry was there was supposed to be a way of life. It was more linear. You know, people were born, they got to school, they got married, they had kids, they, did, they got a job. And they, Career. And, right. You know, and it was very, those... very linear. And they had all kinds of theories. Developmental to... stages. Yes. Yes. Well, let me tell you, years ago, what I discovered was, is that a bunch of bunk? Because <laughs> I don't see life as linear for most people. And that was one of the things that there are many people that are married to that kind of system, value system, and it's it's dangerous because it's a, it's a wrong it's a wrong way to go, and I don't think psychology has helped very many people with that kind of thinking, because when you're married to that kind of thinking, and then there's disruption in other people in your life, you're totally unprepared to deal with it. Yes. And you you know part of you is just going outraged that wait a minute this is the way it's supposed to be and I'm really angry that this has happened and it's not supposed to be, well. If you were prepared properly and more realistically in the beginning, it wouldn't throw you so much because you weren't married. You wouldn't be married to that linear way of thinking. People that have had enough upheavals in their life, more serious ones, others that are not so serious, but know that that linear way of thinking about life and development is filled with holes. And, and uh, I think that uh, we read an article, and we're, we're going to talk about it because I think it's a really good one. But uh, I, I think that it's dangerous because it really makes coping with change and upheaval so much more difficult. And I think when people aren't married to that, you don't expect that anyway. So when the changes come, they're difficult enough, but you're not married to things happening one one step after another and staying close to that. Well. You know, individuals have gone through these kinds of existential changes before. That means super personal. But you know what? Now it's a whole society going We're through this. We're all doing it at the same time. And it's, a, it's a, an enormous, it's an enormous, I'll tell you something. Yeah. It's like, what a great way to study how people react and act. Here it is. I mean, wherever you look, people are really uncomfortable. Yeah. And, um, they're trying to. I see people trying to find some stability and regularity, but then more the, the COVID nineteen crisis comes up, and all of that's going right out the window, and we're going back to going back. a more critical time again. More shelter in place type. More times. shelter in place. Businesses are, are being forced to close down. Who never couldn't even get back on their feet. Increase in cases Increasing. where we thought we were going to be leveling off. Nothing's leveling it's off. It's not happening. Like so, that. you know, you got to kind of look at that and go, well, better not think like the old way. I better just get used to this and figure out something, new ways to cope, new ways to uh, uh, build my life that kind of go along with what's happening in, in life. How long this is going to go on, we don't even know. Um, there's so much conflict. Yeah, what really knocks me out is now it's, a, it's become such a political hot potato. And I'm thinking, about, now how did it become political? This has to do with people's health mm. and livelihood. And what you read about in the papers, almost more than anything, is the political turmoil and undermining. And, yeah. and I'm wondering, now what has this got to do with what people are really going through? And does, don't people care? 
aren't they, shouldn't they be involved with helping people through this? They're almost too removed. So I look at this and I go, this thing has gotten so contaminated with things that are so extraneous and not, they're with not. agendas, yes. That you gotta really, yeah. um, that, that make everything more complicated. So anyway, we'll get back to it. We're gonna, don't we have to take a break? We have a moment before we go to a break. Oh, so if you, if there was a, something you wanted to finish about what you were saying, you have time to do that. Well, I wanna refer something. I wanna refer to two things. One is that we've written a really good article. Um, and I, I think it's one of the better articles that I've read. And we read a lot of editorials. There's a lot of good stuff coming out. Mm -hmm. um, I wish more would come out to encourage people and to give them a, a perspective on what's happening. And uh, but out of all of them, I think ours. Well, we've written a number of papers, but this one paper, uh, "Lessons for Surviving in the COVID-19 Crisis and Finding Hope in uh, My Glasses Are Not On." Excuse me. Finding hope and strength in a time of crisis. Thank you. Anyway, I love the paper. Every time I look at it, and it, um, it really is an awakening. We've even written, we've even put together a booklet for people called "The Survivor's Guide to Life" with ten. Principles. Yes, let's um, let's save that. This is a nice It's article. too good to rush through. That's a nice one. All right. Okay. So first, we'll do. But I do want to say this. Yeah. We are going to refer to an article today that I found to be really an, an enlightened article um, in the sense of the big picture of what's happening, and it was out of the new, it was out of the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. That knocks me out. Two of our best articles so far, editorials, and this one is by a guy named Bruce Feller. Um, and his, the name of it is Learning to Conquer Life's Crisis. It's interesting. We're going to refer back to it after our break because yeah. he comes up with some interesting things. Anyway. It's a good one. Mm -hmm. You've been listening to The Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to The Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Peter and I are talking today about uh, changes, disruptions, crises, uh, the things that come into our lives that really demand that we deal with them in a constructive way. How do we do that? Well, when you say it, and I listen to you describe it just now, it sounds so negative, but the truth is it's not all negative. And it's, uh, we look at it, and I know it's true, it's an opportunity for a lot of change, good change. Um, and that's what I, where I hear of it. And you know, most people would say it like Jenny said it, and it's a crisis, difficulty, challenges, losing, da da da. They were all negative. But the truth of the matter is, that is not the real picture. The picture is, well, that we've had crises throughout the ages, we've had epidemics. If you read the Bible, my God, it goes back thousands of years. And yet you read about how people come out of it. And they read about what they take away from it and the strength and the value of it. And we've read so many, we've, and, we've, and we've used some of them, um, some of their information, so many editorials that are coming out and they overlap our kind of thinking plenty. They often do. On how to yeah. encourage people or how to help people understand, to give them a framework of what they're going through. I think one of the uh, other articles that I felt very prof was profoundly written was with a theological professor. Now was at the Wall Street Journal, and he talked about, and sure enough, it didn't come across as just intellectual, but sure enough, he's taking care of his dying wife. Yeah. And it was so 
heartfelt and down to earth, but also he had a perspective on what was happening as well. And I loved it, and that was in the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. You know, he talked about Ars Mariendi, which I think is a really wonderful concept of, and prince, a group of principles that were written in the Middle Ages, meaning the art of dying and how to deal with that and, and what people go through. And what really comes out of something like that is a, a, a deeper commitment and conviction to living more genuinely, more truthfully. And, and the other things that are important, they're just not emphasized anymore and they're, they're not very tempting. So I mean, there's, there's good things that come out of it and that's through the pain and the grief. Right. And he, he I can't remember his name, but he did a beautiful job. Kevin Rowe did a great job. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure they whittled it down to put it in that editorial. I'm sure there's a lot more to it. Beautifully done. Well, we've come up against, we've also found another article, and sure enough, it's out of the Wall Street Journal. And it's uh, uh, called Learning to Conquer Life's Crises. By Bruce Filler. Bruce Filer? Filler. Filler. Yeah, it's a, it's a good article. Interesting. Um, some of his examples leave us a little, mm. <laughs> not that impressed. But the basic principles, principles are really good. And yes. it, what does it come out of? It came out of his search from moving through his own crises. He, had, um, he, was, Ill, he was ill, his father attempted suicide. Um, there were a number of things that he went through, um, a near bankruptcy, a lot of hard things. Yes. And through that, it, it put him on a path to, to, to trying to understand better what could, himself obviously and what's the purpose of all of this and um, to find out what other people go through when they're hit with hard times. He said that he wanted to interview people to find out what emotions they most struggled with, mm -hmm. uh, what advice from friends they found most helpful, what habits they shed, uh, identifying patterns and takeaways that can help all of us survive and thrive in times of change. Yeah, I, I think he was, he's got another way of saying it, but I think he says it beautifully. Mm -hmm. um, let's see what he says. I'll read right off the top. It says, personal disruptions and transitions now come at us much faster than ever before. Now, I'll tell you what, and he says, but the right approach can turn that difficulty into opportunities for change and growth. And COVID-19 has brought a crush of change upon us. It really has. And rethink, and it gives us time to rethink. But I love it because he's right. Mm -hmm. And um, things are happening so much faster and there is so much more upheaval and there's so much change coming at us and it's not in a linear fashion at all. No. It's, in fact, it's very erratic. But yet, some people can thrive off of it. Some people can move quick, more quickly, and we do it at our institute. I'll tell you that right now. And I mentor plenty of our, our staff on how to do it. I mean, I'm not, uh, this is something we do. And I know how to move very quickly. It has been so life-changing for me to watch you respond to the things that have come into your life that have been challenges mm -hmm. and just you walk exactly the talk that you're giving right now you take them on and you thrive on them not that it always feels good mm -hmm. and not that it always turns out the way you had hoped and yet you come through and you live an example uh, to people yeah. of how to handle that it is part of me and i think i was raised that way 
I was raised to be a fixer. I was raised to be somebody who was going to be in the middle of the messes, and I was going to be the one that was leading. I was going to be authority, and that started at a very young age. I was raised that way, and it all didn't come easily, that's for sure. But you know what? I'm so grateful for those capabilities now because it's part of me. And when I see these things come out, and I saw things moving very quickly in this crisis, I knew we had to move very quickly to adapt, to understand what was being said, what was not being said, but had to be responded to. And I encouraged our staff very quickly to move. Some of our staff, it didn't pertain to the Emergency Institute, weren't geared that way, and they couldn't move fast enough, and it, I think it intimidated them, and they kept very focused and myopic on one aspect of what was coming at them, and they lost so much momentum because there were so many other things that had, in other words, the priorities had to shift, had to let go of one thing and get onto another fast. Mm -hmm. I, I see this as a time in life when people are going to have to really move more quickly and be more tuned in to a lot of the changes, and I mean financially, health-wise, um, so many different things in the community. Uh, it, you're going to have to learn to do this, and it takes training and skill. It does. Let me just mention something out of Bruce's article. Mm -hmm. And just what you're saying, he said that the most challenging step in a very hard time is your first step, and it is that you must choose to enter this state of change. Okay. And we've talked about that in our, on other episodes, but we talked about it. Um, uh, the person that always comes to mind is Viktor Frankl, who is a... Uh, a, a a doctor who went through, and a great philosopher and psychiatrist, and he was in the Holocaust, and he was, he was in a concentration camp for four years and lost most of his family. And what he talked about, and I think is a key to one of his books, was that we can't always choose and control the circumstances of our life. And they can be disastrous like his was, but what we can choose is our responses that we do have control over. And I think that Bruce Fellers is saying that in another way that um, we can't always control or um, dictate how these changes that are coming very quickly are gonna come at us. Um, we've seen more people absolutely freeze. And as things need to be dealt with, as they need to reevaluate, as they need to put one foot in front of this, get going. And what we're seeing for some, unfortunately, is they cannot put, one, they don't even make the first step. And what he's saying is, that's very important. When you're gonna enter a time of change, you have to take the first step. Yes. And if you don't, it's your opportunity's gonna pass you by. But we've also seen how people deteriorate in that position, how depressed they get and angry and frustrated. And it's not just with the situation, it's with themselves and their life. So we, we know this is true and he's, he's saying that. Very on target. He's made a whole, philosophy and approach toward change, um, and he's got some, his own language, um, but he describes it as, uh, for the, he talks about disruptors in life that come at us, that's his word. Um, and he talks about how he studied many people, and he talked to a lot of people, and what he found was there was a consistency through all of them. Mm -hmm. And then he talked about how many disruptors come in a person's life. Now, He's talking about a lot. Yeah. Um, he may be right, but I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. But he talked about quite a few in a person's life, I think 24, 20, a big number. Yeah. But they weren't all major disruptions. 
No. And that was the other thing, that there's a lot of disruptions that come in our life regularly that, that don't really cause such a major upheaval. And he was right. He talked about relationships and families and uh, job. Maybe a job change or a move. Number. They don't. Num they aren't all crises. No, and they can be intense and they can be anxiety provoking, but they're not the kind of disruptions that we are facing today at all. No. No. And he says, but then there are the real disruptors that put our whole life in upheaval and chaos and turmoil and instability, and he calls those, his word is called life quakes. Let me tell you, this is his language, but it's really descriptive of what can happen. And uh, he talks about what can come out of life quakes. And um, he, he also talks about the steps that people need to take mm -hmm. in order to get through them and to learn to master um, the steps of get, and it wasn't linear. I mean, he's very clear. No, he was. He broke it down into three phases. Mm -hmm. But he said, now don't assume that these phases are linear in mm -hmm. any way, or mm -hmm. that once you get through one, you might not have to go back to it. Mm -hmm. He was very much cautioning people about that. No, and he he he's not a man that really speaks about linear mm -mm. types of change. No. He's talking about disruptive changes as being a part of living. Right. And life quakes are the big changes in life. And he said, some people go through two or three in a lifetime. I've gone through more than that. And every one of them was a life changer. Not for the worst, even though they were tough to come go through and deal with. I'm dealing with another one in my life now, along with this crisis. And yet not all the things that come out of it are bad. No. That's what's amazing to me too. So, I, and where does some of that not experience come from? I've been through things like that before. And what came out of all the emotionality and all the difficulty and upheaval, good things came out of it. New directions, new parts of the story of my life that I can talk about adding these, from going through it, I can talk about new chapters of my life and how it changed me and how that's now made me who I am today. They didn't come easy and they don't. And there are so many people that need to be able to see things that way now. We are, we, you know, before it was on a very individual basis that this happens, it's not like that anymore. It's on a societal, it's huge. Mm -hmm. It's on a very enormous scale. And yet, this is the time that this would make this even more relevant, this kind of outlook that he has. And then he talks about some stages, some tools that people have to develop and skills. How to approach some of these things, And yes. I think we'll talk about those a little bit. But anyway, yeah. we're gonna take a break. Yeah, we'll come back and do that. You've been listening to The Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to The Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Mm -hmm. Peter and I are talking about the challenges that come into life that are certainly in our lives now and the good changes that can come from them if we can approach them in the right kind of ways. Right, I'm looking at my notes. And Peter's looking at his yeah, notes. Yeah, and um, it's probably better if I don't because I really get into this stuff and I, it stimulates my thinking about so many things. A lot of what he talks about, we've said in our way, and I think we deal with the more frontline 
we're at the we're on the front lines. Um, we are dealing with people in a more engaging way. His is a bigger picture. He was a researcher and an author. Okay, yeah. and it comes across that way, and yet it's, it's relevant. But Very, yeah. It says a lot of things. We're we're working with the people and right at their side while they're going through this. It's a little different. Um, but he talks about disruptors as the things that make our normal life completely. It throws it off. Disoriented, overwhelming, or just destabilized. Destabilized, old habits, old patterns, things have changed. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he also talked about one thing I want to mention. Is we talked about the, for a minute, the life quakes, which are the serious, major um, disruptors like we're going through now. But he also talked about the cumulative effect that people can have from the less um, the less threatening types of disruptors, but they build on each other until they can produce a major upheaval too. Yes. And he's right. We've yeah. talked about that where folks will hold in an awful lot, particularly first responders, people like ourselves can hold it in, and it has a cumulative effect until it pushes us over Something the edge. Something pushes them over the edge, yes. Okay, so he's talking about that in a, a little bit bigger scale, but he's right. Um, but one of the things, let's see what, he's, what he talks about, some of the stages Sure. In his, his language, let's see. He says, yes, he says, first step, first step is you must choose to enter, his words, you yes. must enter this state of change. You have to decide that you are going to take this on yeah. and take a step. Take a step, and it can lead to some, as difficult as it may be, or anxiety-provoking, really the possibilities, as you said, of a positive, good outcome are much higher. Much higher. But he talks about the different phases. Mm -hmm. And that they're not linear. Uh, but that 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 will be part of this journey. That's right. right. And the three phases he calls long goodbye, messy middle, and new beginnings, and they're not predictably right. No. Um, and he really emphasizes that a lot, and he's right anyway. I agree with him. Um, let's see. Let's see. Well, the other thing he says too is that uh, we all each could be good at one phase, but not handle another very well yeah, yeah. and we will embrace that one that we're good at but the one that we don't feel so capable of will get stuck there and we've talked about that before so that's when people want to fall back i think this is the way i interpret what you say they want to fall back to their old coping mechanism something that's more familiar yeah. and it doesn't work anymore and we have seen that so many times we have. Um, and this is what people that have histories and with coping but what they don't understand is the old way won't work anymore. And we've seen people try it, and it doesn't seem to ring the bell this time. It doesn't seem to work. Some of it does. But what we're talking about is a transformational type of change, that they've got to begin to let go of the old coping mechanisms and realize they've got to be open to some new things mm -hmm. um, and developing new mechanisms, and they come hard. Nobody's saying they're easy. And I think what we've talked about many times is transformational types of resilience and change. And one of the key factors is old coping ways and going back to what's familiar or comfortable doesn't work anymore. No. And you've got to move forward. The key really is, he calls it, you've got to take that first step. The, uh, what's their names again? The, uh, the Transmission Resilience folks. Oh, oh, the Marstons. They talk about... Um, and Type R. Yeah, they talk about you got to move forward. Yeah. Always moving forward, and I agree with them. Yeah. Um, he talks about taking the first step. It's similar. Yeah. yeah. Similar. Yeah. Anyway, I, what we see is so much overlap between... When people talk in a more constructive, positive way of how to 
come out stronger and better, not just stronger, but better and improved with a new sense of purpose and being. Um, I think there is a lot of overlap. I see it, and mm -hmm. a lot of the people that we read, we we look at our papers and go, "Geez, they're saying the same thing we did in a different way." Mm -hmm. His work is a little bit on a more research basis. Mm -hmm. I think it's good stuff. Ours is more frontline work. You know, there's one thing here that he says that is exactly, almost exactly, something we have said, mm -hmm. uh, where he's talking about the phase of saying goodbye. Mm -hmm. And he, his point is, as the first task in the saying goodbye phase is to accept our emotions. That's right. How often have we talked about that? A lot. And he talks, actually, these phases are all emotional. They're all emotional states. They are. Yeah. You're right. And he talks about that. Um, he says, accepting our emotions. That's right. And what are they usually? What we talk about? Mm -hmm. Fear, sadness, shame. He doesn't mention anger and frustration. He should. But that's a real part. That's a big one. Yeah. Um, so he's on the same page we are. Absolutely. He really yeah. is. Yeah. We're the people that deal with helping people deal with these emotions and getting them beyond it to giving them some grounding and perspective again. Yeah. So the emotions do not run wild. Um, we give them an opportunity at the Bernstein Institute. We've developed so many skills and abilities over the last many years that we know how to uh, help people, give them permission to move through their emotions. And many of them come in and say, well, this is my feelings. And we go, no, that's not the feeling state. That's emotional state. And if you let that run the show, it's not going to go well. But you need to get through it so you can get back to what we call a normal felt state, um, which means our, you know, the God-given ability to intuitively read things, to feel things. That's not necessarily emotional at all. That's an intuitive part of our nervous system that gives us readings. So we help people realize that. We also know that everybody has emotions. And they have to learn how to cope with them and deal with them so they don't wind up out of control in the sense that their emotions are dictating how they react to things. And uh, we've had people that stash and uh, you know, hold down all their emotion and then takes on a life of their own. And then the emotion runs the show and causes some very destructive very reactions, destructive either for towards self or others. So we've shown how the body is crucial, in um, it holds it's a reservoir from all this pent up, all these emotions and all this trauma that we're talking that goes with this. We we know how to deal with it. We know how to read it. We know how people get through it, and then we give them their footing again mm -hmm. on how to get back to a situation that they're dealing with, and many people are, hasn't changed. But their outlook and how they see it changes. And all of a sudden they have this in deeper sense of hope and resilience. And the situation may be exactly the same, very difficult and very painful, but they feel better, they, they feel changed. clearer. Mm -hmm. That's right, and their response becomes much more intuitive, and it is a felt state, for sure, but they're not run by their emotions. So he's come up with these things, and his way of dealing with it is a little different. He labels them differently, but yeah. these are all emotional states. And he talks about that first state. Um, he calls it the goodbye. The goodbye. The goodbye. The long goodbye. The long goodbye. The long goodbye, and, and looking, at your, looking at your emotions. Uh, then he does go on to say about that that... Uh, and I think it needs to be clear what he's saying is that, that uh, the second step after recognizing them is to use rituals, he says, to contain and tame their feelings, to have gestures, tributes, 
or commemorations of some kind of what they've gone through. Yeah, and you know, I thought about that, and um, I don't think they always need rituals. We, there's other ways to do about this. This is his way of seeing it. It's a much bigger scale. But if you look at the history of um, how people deal with their deeper emotional states, I, what comes to mind for me, I was raised uh, as a Jew, um, they, there were certain Old Testament traditions, there were certain um, approaches to things, and I think one of them that we deal with a lot and help people with and we deal with is grief, losing loved ones, and, and, how, that, and how emotional that is, and how overwhelming. Um, and then that, that's not a clinical state, that's a human state to go through it, it's tough. Mm-hmm. And what the Old Testament talks about is this time of open grief, absolute permission for people to grieve completely openly. It's, Old Testament, so it's very religious and orthodox, but it's called sitting shiva. And it's like for seven days, people are given full permission to grieve, to not have any vanity, to not have any of the, um, the things of life that they'd have to take care of to get away from it. People come and, and provide food for them. They have a place to stay. They, they pray, they do whatever, but it's open grief in whatever form it takes. Then the Old Testament says at the end of seven days, that stops. And then you, you're not allowed to do that anymore. This is where I had trouble with Judaism. It was a little rigid. Right, a lot rigid. Yeah. And we've seen in our work clinically that doesn't work that way. It can go on for an awfully long time. But this, this man's thinking is, is along the lines of what comes next. And that is, in the Old Testament, they also have a um, tradition that at the end of a year's mourning, um, after the grief period, there's like one year of formal mourning, that that's the time that they memorialize and commemorate the burial of their loved one or the person. And that's when they put the headstone at the, at the grave. And they have a service and a ritual. It's actually, I would say it's celebratory completely, but it's memorializing in a, a loving, caring, representative way. Mm-hmm. And it absolutely puts things, all that emotionality and all that, it does give it some parameters. And so this man is not that far off, and he talks about all religions have that kind of, or also spirituality, have that aspect to it. Um, and he talks about other things about it that I felt were very interesting too, um, about people needing to do that and using these rituals. And he also talked about phases of that. He talked about, um, let me see what I thought, I thought was interesting, a, a, a detachment phase. Yes. Am I right? Yes, he did. Yes. That was, um, that was the, um, I think he talked about this most in terms of the, he says it's a separation from the past, the messy middle. He said this has, for the messy middle, it's a time of transition when you're separating from where you've been and moving toward where you're going. That's right. And that there are also traditions and faiths about those times. Absolutely. And he used that again. He used some spiritual and religious um, descriptions. Um, he didn't pick anyone in particular, but he said, if you look at, he said, I think the Hindus have a certain way. Then he talked to Abrahamic religions, which is Judaism and Christianity. And then he talked about the history. And one of the things about the history was wandering, the Jews wandering in the desert for 40 years and right. what happened. Yeah. And how it was used as a time of stripping of the old ways, of uh, coming to grips and, and getting rid of a lot of old attitudes, beliefs, dreams, delusions, everything was stripped away. Mm-hmm. So what did it make room for? 
It made room for a new attachment to new values, new attitudes, new aptitudes, new beliefs, but it needed that cleansing period of detachment. And I thought that that was pretty brilliant because that is what happens, people, mm -hmm. for a period of time. And I think the um, Marston speak, speak about it too, what people have to go through yes. to get to that place of letting go. And it's almost a time of coming to the end and there's a new celebratory part of it because you're on to, you're getting ready to move on to something much better. So uh, I think, to me, I think the guy comes up with some brilliant concepts, a much bigger picture, but I also think they're very impactful and they can be very helpful at this point. You've been listening to The Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to The Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Peter and I are continuing to discuss a, a really a, a helpful article by Bruce Feiler. He's talking about the three stages, or we're talking about his three stages for major life challenges and transitions. Uh, we were just talking before the break about the, the messy middle and that it is a time uh, for transition when things are left behind, or as he puts it, first you shed things, and then you move forward and you create things. That's right. He talks about shedding during this time can be very painful, but very fulfilling. See, that's the point we want to get to, that there really is something positive that comes out of all of this. Um, and he says this, I want to read this. He says, at the moment people feel the most stuck, they begin to, at that moment of their highest chaos and difficulty, they begin to get creative. And this new creativity is a sign that we're beginning to create a better future and we're no longer trapped in the past. Then the new beginnings happen. And that was the third phase, the new beginning. Yes. That when you come through that time of shedding and you've moved into a time of, of looking for new things and starting to create them, that's your new beginning. And it's usually when we least expect it that yes. it begins to happen. Yeah, it's like it almost creeps up on you like, is this true? Is this real? Yeah. Am I kind of coming through this? Well, I think it's a, it's a message of hope. Yeah. Because when we're going through these difficulties, we've got to know deeper in ourselves, and I know I need this, that there's, there's good that will come out of it. We just can't see it yet. It's called hope and faith. Mm -hmm. um, what really begins to happen as we begin to move through are those very difficult times of letting go, and they are painful. And they do involve grieving, by the way. Um, it begins, things begin to, uh, a normalcy begins to appear, a glimmer of hope. The future becomes, it begins to come into view. It's a time, and he talks about this, to memorialize and um, the, the transition. Most important action is to update your perspective. And I like that. It's a time to incorporate the changes that have uh, meaning, to, will give meaning to your transition. Uh, it may not be the life that you expected or hoped for. It may be something very different. But we've had examples of people that come out of it many and they become, they're proud of how they reacted. They're proud of what they've become. And they wouldn't have expected it and they certainly would have chosen to go through those difficult times. And I love that. Um, life, a meaning, it's a, a, he calls it a meaning-making time. 
um, from the life quake to a melody of uh, everyday living. And I love that, everyday life. Instead of seeing these upheavals as times we have to grit and bear, we need to see them as healing periods. Periods of healing take, and growth. And they take the wounded parts of our lives and begin to repair them. Yeah. I think that's where he really, he it's wound up eloquent. in a good place. Yeah. And that, you know, we could talk about this and you could agree with it or not, or this may be not your language or ours, but you know what? The message is a message of hope. And that's what we want to convey today, and a message of, uh, of encouragement. Don't give up. Remember our other papers? We ended up keep hang in there. Don't quit and stay with it. This is going to turn out. It's going to work out. You may not be able to see how yet, but it doesn't matter. There's going to be good things that come out of it. One of the things I've always seen, and I want to emphasize right now, is begin, people begin to care about each other again. They begin to show a, a deeper sense of compassion and a less selfish way of life and um, a, a more loving way, selfless way of life. We need to go through these things. A deeper wisdom comes through it. Um, yeah, I had an experience, and I've had them, and I just find myself doing this. I see a lot of people right now, they are, they're homeless, and I'm not talking about the really down-and-outers, people that don't look that different from us, and they don't have a place to stay. Mm -hmm. They don't have a place to eat. Combination of circumstances has just overwhelmed them. And I've run into a few of them. Yeah. One in a wheelchair, another guy this last weekend, and, you know, I, I gave them some money to have a meal and whatever, and I realized they didn't have any you would not believe how they opened up and told me what they've been through mm -hmm. and what they've experienced and how much empathy they had. I was astounded. Mm -hmm. And uh, this fellow this weekend, I, I saw him and I gave him $20 for some dinner and he was very grateful. This was not some down and out broken out little guy, mm -hmm. but he hadn't worked in a number, it's been a while now. Mm -hmm. and, um, but he talked about the last few years, he took care of his mother who was dying of Alzheimer's and dementia. Oh. And um, I told him I'm dealing with my mother, my name, my wife. He had such empathy. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, he looked at me and he says, you know, it is so hard on the people who care and love these folks. And he was talking, he says, I went through it with my mother two years ago. And he says, it's just, it's still burdening me. And he, he warned me and he says, he said, he looked at me and he says, you know what? Don't forget to grieve. Hmm. when it happens, and let yourself cry. He says, I didn't. And all of a sudden, a year later, the grief took over and overwhelmed me. And he says, make sure, and now he doesn't know me, he says, make sure you don't do that. It was so painful for me. He says, let yourself grieve and cry and go through whatever you gotta go through so it doesn't catch up to you later. Yeah. This is a homeless man on the street, and oh, he wasn't boy. a broken down, old shabby no. looking guy either. No. Um, it's amazing what I'm beginning to see. Now, have I been helpful to other homeless? Uh, yes. You have been that person to encourage and, and come alongside people. He too. came alongside me. And now it was your turn to receive. And he was so sweet about it. And um, he was so grateful and interesting. You'll see a card in the bathroom. He left a thank you card on my windshield of my car. Oh. <laughs> so sweet. And. Uh, he was, a, he was a guy who was a body work, shop worker, and uh, he said he loved my car. And then he said to me, um, he says, 
I owe you twenty dollars, and I'm saying, and I'm thinking in the car, and I'm thinking, he says, he says, I'll, you got a flat that's going to be happening because you got a, a, a screw that's in the back <laughs> of your tire and it's going to get flat, so you better take care. He says, I can fix it for you, or whatever. But it was yeah. a cute little note with a, yeah. a little card, a thank you note. This wasn't so way out. No, it was very sweet. That comes out of, and my my feeling of generosity is, is is beyond what I've been before because I see people suffering and I see the pain. Yeah. And I'm also seeing other people care. And I'm seeing that we all need to develop, a, let our barriers come down, let our, we've been so into ourselves for so long that we've, we've really put barriers up between ourselves and our fellow man. Now it's time to let that come down, show some compassion. We're all going through this adversity and difficulty together. We are. Remember that. And this is a time when we can help each other. And believe me, you can reach out and help somebody else even when you're suffering in pain. In fact, that's a more loving kind of giving and More caring. sacrificial. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I know in the Bernstein Institute and our nonprofit and stuff, we have, I call them angels. We have so many nice people that are so selfless and giving and caring and doing meaningful work. But it's an amazing place because in the midst of all the chaos and temptation and difficulty out there, our place is a haven of selflessness, of love, of caring, of expertise. It's just a it's a precious place to be. Mm -hmm. um, so I encourage people to keep that in mind, that this will be a time, yes, it's difficult and yes, it's painful, but there will be, there is hope. And during this process, don't just always think about your terrible situation. Go take a look around you. You'll see people are in worse shape than you are. You'll see people hurting more than you are. And if you give of yourself, and I don't mean just money, but yourself, you'll find that that also aids in your own healing and gives you some perspective again. And it's one of those internal gratifications mm -hmm. that fulfills you. Mm -hmm. It's not an external, and that's nice. Yeah. Because that's what people need to find is the things that really are meaningful. That'll be fulfilling and meaningful. That's right. Would this be a good time? Because what you're talking about mm -hmm. is one of the very essential principles that uh, you have put together uh, mm -hmm. on a hold up. Uh, we have a new resource. We have a new gift for anyone who emails me. It's a little uh, booklet that Steve has put together. I'm holding it up, Steve. There you go. And we've talked about, Peter's talked about his paper, and we've talked about it on other episodes, and about the ten principles mm -hmm. that, he, that he goes by, including the one he's really just talked about, which is reach out to others. All right, mm -hmm. so each page of this booklet, and it's a beautiful thing that Steve's created, is one of the principles. Deal with reality, but recognize facts aren't the complete reality. Don't let your emotions dictate your perspective. They're all here. There's ten of them. You can. There are these beautiful cards that you can cut out and use, or you just have the booklet. We would like to make this available for you. We'd like to give it to you, but we do need you to email me so that I can send it to you. I'm at Jenny at BernsteinInstitute.com. J-E-N-N-Y at BernsteinInstitute.com and we will send you one of these and this is a very nice thing. It's a great, it's beautifully done. These are very, our producers are very good at this. And he took these principles and put them in a beautiful way. You know, we would love to hear from you. We need, we want to hear from as many people as possible. What, we want to know what you're, what you're going through, what you think about what we're saying. 
what you think about what we could do to improve what we're doing. We really want to hear from more of you. And um, that means a lot to me. And we, I know that this broadcast goes, it's on YouTube, it's uh, broadcast every week, it goes all over the world because we have people all over the world that are getting in touch with us. We've even just hired somebody from Rwanda um, as one of, working for a nonprofit. And he's a nice young man, good young man. So we just want to say, get in touch with us, please. And this is one of those things that you, everybody should keep with them. It's a great reminder. It's beautifully done. It's not going to cost you a penny. Not a penny. Just All an right? email. This is right out. This is an expression of our nonprofit. So take yep. a look at it. Yep. You can thank Mr. Steve Rustad. Our, uh, he's the chairman of our nonprofit. He's also the head of all of our marketing. And he's the producer of this show. Mm -hmm. And he's very creative. But this is a beautifully done piece of work, even though we're the ones that put the content together. He did it in such a beautiful way. Mm -hmm. So please, get in touch with us. This is a valuable piece of th work that you can keep close to you, and I don't mean valuable financially, I mean personally. Good reminder, and we all need that. Anyway, we wish you all the best. Please stay in touch with us and hang in there. And so I'll just start by saying that the Survivor's Guide to Life is made possible through a grant from Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, uh, which is a 501c3 public charity. If what we've done today has benefited you, please consider donating to help support what we're doing here. Uh, the website is sctraumatreatment.org, and there is a place to donate. Also, SCTT has a GoFundMe charity campaign uh, that accepts donations. You can find the link on the website. And our website has a link. Steve says so. Um, so, uh, also, our, our podcast website is thesurvivorsguidetolife.com. We are on Facebook and Instagram. Please like and share us. And as I said, please get in touch. I am Jenny at bernsteininstitute.com. Or you could reach either Peter or I at 707-781-3335. We thank you for listening. And we're also on Spotify. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, YouTube. I've. We our videos on YouTube. We have our own channel. You'll find all of the uh, directions for getting to those places at our website as well. Thank you for joining. Be us. Be well and hang in there.